MG is back and it's electric. The MG ZS EV. From just €28,995, the truly affordable, family-friendly electric range. Go to mg.ie and recharge your soul. It's Tuesday, December the 22nd, and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. With me today, our political editor, Pat Leahy. Pat, this time of year, it's usually completely wind-down time, and there's not very much news on the political front. That is not the case this afternoon. No, Hugh, I've just come from a press conference in government buildings, uh, which in turn followed from the Taoiseach's latest address to the nation, uh, informing them of new restrictions, COVID restrictions, to be imposed across the country over the coming weeks, um, and that itself following from a cabinet meeting to ratify those changes this morning. So I guess people will have heard a lot of the details of it already at this stage, but the greatest hits are, you know, if you thought you were having a load of people around your house over Christmas, no, you're not. Um, You can have visitors from two other households to your home uh, on Christmas Day and on Stephen's Day, but from the 27th of December, that's down to one household uh, that may visit, uh, people from one household may visit your home. And from January the 1st, we are back to no household visits at all. No travel uh, outside your county from the 27th of December, except to return home after Christmas and uh, and none at all after the 1st of January. Restaurants and pubs that are still open will be closing at three o'clock on Christmas Eve and won't be reopening, uh, we think, for quite some time. The Tornish de Leo even though these restrictions are in place until the 12th of January, at which point they will be reviewed again by government. But the uh, Tánis Lee Radker just said at the press conference that people should plan on the basis that these restrictions are going to be in place until late February, early March. So, um, so yeah, pubs and restaurants that are closing, have uh, they have no immediate prospect of reopening, uh, I think. Final few details from it. Places of worship will be f- maximum 50 people until Christmas Day and then closed afterwards, open for private uh, private worship afterwards, I should say. Retail, non-essential retail will remain open, uh, but the government is telling people to not to have January sales. So, uh, so I suppose what you're looking at, Hugh, is pretty much level five with uh, the exemption for uh, for retail and some of the transitional exemptions over Christmas, such as visitors to your home on Christmas Day, Stephen's Day. But yeah, it's level five again. Yeah, and and as you say, Leo Varadkar said, for, for a much longer time, uh, if that proves to be the case and these restrictions continue till the end of February or even into March, right up to that first anniversary of the of of the first lockdown that does seem to be something which is happening not just in Ireland but across Europe now isn't it that 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 countries are moving to a situation where they're going for one large longer final set of restrictions really to take them to to the spring and presumably to the point at which we really see the first the first effects of the vaccine kicking in well we hope it's a final uh, lockdown Hugh but the Taoiseach was asked this specific question um at the press conference, and of course, he said he can't say whether this would be the uh, the last 
lockdown or not. And I think what's clear here, as it is in much of Western Europe, is that, um, you know, the actions that governments take are very much a function of the daily numbers of infections that they are uh, that they are seeing. So if the numbers come down and come down substantially over a period of time, then we can look down to restrictions being eased. But if they don't, then I don't think they will. And so we are basically, and, and you know, all three ministers, uh, Taoiseach Tonish and uh, Eamon Ryan, the Green Party leader who attended the press conference, made this clear that, you know, we were waiting... We were waiting for a vaccine. Tony Shilio-Varadkar said that he hoped by the end of February and March that we would have a critical mass of people vaccinated. That seems to me to be somewhat optimistic, though it may be the case that by then the numbers are sufficiently down. It may be possible to uh, to, to ease the restrictions. But, um, but, you know, there's no, you know, you make, make, make no mistake about it. Uh, this is a long lockdown it's starting soon. It's going to dramatically change what a lot of people thought they were going to be doing over Christmas. And uh, you can just imagine how fed up everybody is going to be by it. The speed of this is startling, isn't it? I mean, we've gone very quickly, really, in no more than the space of a week from a situation in which Ireland was probably one of the best performing um, countries in Europe um, to a situation where the numbers, the daily numbers have, have almost tripled now, over over 900, the numbers that are coming in today from 300 and something only a week ago. Um, is there any sense of what's driving that very dramatic change? Well, one of the things that is speculated about, that's absolutely true, by the way, it's, it's this incredible explosion in the numbers. And my understanding is that the numbers will be up somewhere around 950 today. Um and they are this, so they will be over a thousand tomorrow. They'll be twelve hundred, twelve hundred, thirteen, fourteen hundred, probably by Christmas Day. And the Tonishta was speculating at the press conference that if these, if this trajectory continues unchecked, you'll be at two thousand new cases a day by the time we get to New Year's Eve. And that, above anything, is what has made the government react so quickly. And it is astoundingly quickly that this change of mood uh, has occurred in government and the decisions have flowed from that. I was speaking to people, you know, in the early part of the weekend last Friday and they were reasonably happy with the way, uh, with, with you know, with the management of the pandemic at that stage. They, uh, while it was certainly the numbers were, were flying up across Europe and in the UK, we seem to be somewhat insulated to that and uh, insulated from that, and I think you know, looking at the, the the level of infections at that stage, and looking at the level of deaths that we had seen in uh, in in the second wave in uh, in 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 October November, which was minimal. In fact, it, by some measurements, no excess deaths. Although clearly there were deaths from. COVID or deaths with COVID, there was no excess deaths at all over above what you would normally expect at that uh, at that time of year. And I think the government was reasonably entitled to, to be happy with its management of the pandemic at that stage, which on objective, uh, objective measures such as deaths, infection rates and so on was right up with the best uh, with the best in Europe. Now, we still have amongst the best figures uh, in uh, in Europe. But it's obvious something has changed very quickly. And over Sunday and Monday, really over that kind of 48-hour period,
period, 72 hours tops, there's been a huge uh, change in attitude uh, in government. And that is what has given us this kind of very abrupt uh, announcement and action today. Should the government be nervous at all about the ways in which the actions it took in the run up to Christmas diverged from the advice of Neffet? Well, I suppose if there's a blame game to be uh, to be had for this, and the decisions that the government has uh, has taken will be, you know, are squarely in uh, up for consideration in that. I'm not sure that it would have been possible to continue with um, with a lockdown after the beginning of December. Um, I think that uh, one of the things that was driving lifting the lockdown at that stage even though case numbers had not come down by as much as Neffed had hoped, um, one of the things that was driving the lifting of that lockdown is the sense in government that people just had enough of it, people needed to get out or people felt that they needed to get out. But it's very clear that there was a price to pay for that. Now, one of the things that ministers were speculating about, and it is no more than speculation at this stage because there isn't any hard evidence of it, but that one of the things that is driving the very quick, uh, the very quick return of, of high infection rates is this new strain, which we are told is 70% more infectious than the previous strain. That has certainly been detected in, uh, in the UK, and it is said to be part of the reason there for the the explosion in case numbers. That may well be true here. Ministers were suggesting that it may be naive to think that if it's in the UK, it's not, uh, it's not here. But they won't know that for uh, definitively for some time to come. But whatever the reason, whether it's a more infectious strain of the virus or the pretty large amount of socialising and home visits and so on that's been going on for the last number of weeks, it's pretty clear that that has had a dramatic effect on infection numbers. And the great fear, the thing that drives government action always when the infection numbers go up is the fear that the health service will be overrun. That's what is, uh, that's what's driving that. So in a way, this is a decision taken by the government, not so much on evidence or analysis, I think, uh, but on fear. Uh, Fear that those numbers will keep going up to the extent that the health service becomes overwhelmed. Now you look at the second wave and you see that even though there was a spike in cases, hospital uh, admissions and ICU admissions were kept within a very, very manageable sort of bracket. We had between 30 and 40 people in ICU, typically uh, between 200 and 300 people in hospital. So that is clearly nowhere near what would be needed to even uh, uh, give rise to a fear that hospital systems would be, uh, would, be, would be overwhelmed. But given the exponential rise in the numbers that we are seeing in recent days, clearly there's a fear in government that things are utterly out of control and that unless they're brought back under control by means of a lockdown, then what we're looking at is not what happened here in October, what, ha- what happened in Italy in, uh, in March. And that's always been the great fear of government. And it's noticeable that in the United Kingdom over the last couple of days, as they've severely tightened their restrictions also, they've left themselves a bit of wiggle room, Boris Johnson and his government have, on whether or not all schools everywhere in the United Kingdom will return after the Christmas break. Is there any 
possibility mooted at all here at the moment that that might become an issue if those numbers continue to get worse and worse into early January? No, it is not mooted. And the Taoiseach said specifically, both in his statement uh, on television and to the press conference that schools uh, that schools would reopen and the and level five stipulates that schools do reopen now um uh, third level colleges will continue with on uh, online learning but certainly schools are due to reopen but i think you one of the lessons that we can take out of this dramatic u-turn is that it's the numbers that are in charge and government will react to the numbers. We've seen a whole new tier of restrictions being invented in the UK over the weekend to deal with the sort of numbers that they're seeing there. And I'm afraid that if the actions taken by government don't result in the numbers at least stabilising, then the question of school reopening will come on the agenda. So if you're looking at, you know, several, by the middle of January, of several thousand uh, infections uh, a day being recorded, which is the sort of number that we could be on track for unless uh, unless there is a change in the current trajectory. And we see that there are infections then arising in schools, which is, I suppose, what one might expect if you were at that level of community infections. Then I think that question will inevitably be, uh, come onto the horizon. I think that would be an extremely politically difficult step for the government to take. Um, uh, I think the fallout for them politically from having to close the schools again would be serious, substantial and lasting. But I think if the numbers shoot up, then it will come on the agenda, yeah. Last question, Pat. Um, These kinds of decisions always have very significant economic consequences, we know as well. Will Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath have to be going back to their copybooks to tot up the numbers again in terms of what's going to be required over the next few months? I think that you're a bit away from having to adjust budgetary projections yet because the hope, of course, in government is this will be relatively short-lived. And bear in mind the government is already projecting to borrow €20 billion next year, as it did this year, to pay for the costs of the pandemic. Tornishta announced a series of additional business supports for those areas that will be affected uh, in the press conference, including... The, uh, those businesses that are forced to uh, that are forced to shut will receive a double payment for each of the next two weeks before reverting to the single weekly payment uh, in uh, in January. But um, uh, but you know clearly, as with you know as with you know all other aspects of the state's response that are predicated on the level of infections in uh, in in the community, if this turns out to be longer and more expensive than um, uh, than everybody had hoped. If you were looking at a level five indefinitely for a number of, uh, not indefinitely, but for, you know, a number of months into April, May, that, uh, that sort of time. With this sort of economic shutdown that accompanied the original, uh, the original lockdown, which we didn't really see in the second lockdown, but we certainly did in the, in the first lockdown, then, yeah, that would have profound economic and therefore fiscal implications for the government. But I think we're a bit away from that yet. So we shall leave it there. Pat, it only remains for me to wish you and your family a, a happy and safe Christmas. Well, you know where to find us, Hugh. We'll all be at home. <laughs> Indeed.
indeed we will be we'll leave it there thanks also to our engineer uh, JJ Vernon before we go I want to remind you again about the Irish Times' upcoming Winter Nights Festival which features a number of in-depth discussions between Irish Times journalists and lots of significant political figures including Edna O'Brien Dara O'Brien who'll be talking with his old mucker from UCD Pat uh, Nicholas Sturgeon is joining us Micheál Martin and Gabriel Byrne and uh, remember that if you do want to get in touch with us we're always pleased to hear from you but just email us at politicspodcast at irishtimes.com but until the next time it only remains for me to wish you all a very happy and safe Christmas wherever you may be.